theme to start, so oh, only I can hear yeah. it. You guys are saying something, and I'm just hearing a <laughs> knocking-ass beat that I made for... <laughs> now, I want to pitch something, and I don't care that we're recording at this point, yeah. but uh, if uh, any of our fans care to prevent... I, I feel like, don't tell us if you want this to happen. If you were adamant this shouldn't happen, because you hear our voices regularly, please be, feel free to comment. But I kind of want to see if we can't do an in our typical ticket studs intro. What is a barbershop quartet? Like, uh... Well, I talked about that before. I mean, there's three of us. It would be a treat. Yeah, but two. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. True, true, true. Uh, I guess it just depends on who goes lowest to, to highest. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, Clay, it's hard I for me you... to judge because I'm in my own head. Clay, yeah. I think you uh, have the deepest voice, honestly. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I, do, I do think you might have. The, the, you might have to go first. So I, I would go first. All right, look, who's second then? Uh, I don't know. Who has a higher pitch voice between you and I? See, I think my voice is annoying and shrill anyway, so I don't even it's know if I'm annoying a good and shrill. Gauge. No, no. We just have... I think we're we're sitting in a very similar range. I'll, I'll go highest. I'll try it, because I'm not afraid to embarrass myself doing that if, <laughs> it, if it goes very poorly. So All right, so we'll, I'll we'll, give let's, let's give it a try. I'll go first. I'll do one, two, three, and then I'll do go, and then... All right, yeah. So, one, two, three. Hello. 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 Okay. No, I did terrible. I did terrible. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work right. on it. Hi. Yep, and she's doing it again. Come she on, Zoss. She sure Zoss. is. What's up, This might girl? be something we need to practice off, off mic. <laughs> yep. Trey. Could, could you? Oh, yes. Hold on. I didn't realize we need to be doing this already oh, okay. again. She, she, she got it. <laughs> Zoss, Mike, come on. I'm very popular with the dogs. I'm not yeah. here often, and when I am, they're, they they all hate me, and then immediately remember, oh yeah, no, I think we like him. So yeah, for those listening, it's very one of our dogs is going to be regularly like assaulting Noah with love. So oh yeah, it's because sure. she's just bursting with it. She's yeah, got to get it out. There she goes. <laughs> but uh, hey, in case you have forgotten our voices, and until we work on the intro, uh, my name is Trey. I'm Clayton. I'm Noah. And we are the Ticket Stay. Studs. Studs. It's so good Ticket to see studs. you, fellas. It's so good to see you, fellow studs, fellow tickies. Hello, everyone. I got but, I got Dio in my uh, eye. Oh yeah, that's definitely gonna happen more than once. I am so sorry. No, no, you're good. It's good. It's good. I'm flipping through my letterbox frantically to see what I've watched recently. I don't know what we're talking about. I don't know why we're here. Somebody hey, that's okay. enlighten me. Yeah, we got well, a bunch. Uh, let's. We can start off by talking about something I know we've all seen. Which would be The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh boy, this is actually really great for me because uh, I have, in light of that movie coming out, I have watched, uh, I've caught up on The Conjuring universe. Oh yeah? I've seen, I've seen all of them yeah, Even so, uh, Even the spin-off films that aren't the spin-off films. Okay, okay, cool. All right, okay. All right. I've seen most of them. I haven't seen... All the way there. I've seen the two Conjuring movies, and I can't even confidently say I've seen all of The Conjuring 2 because I passed out at intervals mm, uh, mm, during mm. it. That's what happens <laughs> when you smoke and drink when you watch movies. Yep. I haven't seen The Nun or La, 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 La The Corona. Curse of La Llorona. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
So that was an there's, actual. And there's one, that there's, was an actual Conjuring movie. And there's one yes. Annabelle okay. movie I haven't seen. Gotcha. gotcha. What? Is it weird that the, they made three Annabelle movies before are, three Conjuring movies? I have seen three. Yeah, there are three Annabelle. I, movies. You, I didn't realize you had seen two of the three Annabelle movies. Oh yeah. There's Annabelle. There's three Annabelle movies plus Annabelle appears in the the the, 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 the first Conjuring. The movie. first Conjuring. And she appears in The Curse of La Llorona briefly, because that's how they tie it into the rest of the universe. There's, like, one priest they're talking to, and he's like, I've only seen one other thing as evil as this, and it was a doll. And they do a quick cut to the Annabelle <laughs> doll, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, sure. Okay. See, so how, I want to preface with this. Like, preface. The Conjuring, preface Conjuring 1 and 2, I'd say they're decent movies. Yeah. Uh, I super like The Conjuring 2, weirdly. That movie is a little bit bigger and messier than the first it's, one. It's way too long. And it's too long, but I really fuck with a lot of what they do yeah. in that movie. And like, <laughs> they're, they're decent movies. I wouldn't say they're particularly scary movies. Nah. I remember reading in an interview with James Wan years ago where he said that like in terms of like horror, he's a huge coward. Like He finds everything scary. Yeah. And I find that incredibly telling from his horror movies. <laughs> I, get, like, I get like horror blue balls from watching oh, this Oh, most stuff. definitely. I felt the same way with Insidious. There'd just be these creepy moments that almost you're, get you're me to dead. this moment of terror, but you don't get me it's there, like, bud. You, you have so much potential to make something scary, and then he chooses, like, the unscariest thing for the reveal. Let me let me context, place myself in context of these movies. Uh, I went to see the original Conjuring with my mom and my sister when it first came out, so I think that was, like, 2013-ish, oh, wow. something like that. Yeah, 2013, I think, would have been the first one. Uh, yeah, I walked into that theater, we sat down, the movie started, and we promptly walked out. It was too scary for me at the time. I was like, I cannot handle this. Yeah, 2013. It's like, I cannot do this. It was the clapping, right? Uh, uh, we didn't even get to the clapping. We didn't even get to the clapping. I wasn't there yet. Uh, later on, all we were kind of like, a couple years later, it was on DVD, and we were like, ooh, that's the movie that we walked out of in theaters, and we finally were like, let's just watch it at home and, and get it done, and... The first half of that movie is terrifying, and the second half of that movie is not scary at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it's, and I've noticed, and I was still afraid of movies in this franchise for the longest time. I, had, I was, like, paralyzed by the first Annabelle movie because it scared the shit out of me when I saw it in theaters. Really? But, but I will say all of that. Noah then versus Noah now, where horror is my favorite genre, right. and I and that's almost almost exclusively what I've watched in the past like year for whatever reason. I can't quite psychoanalyze that, but uh, boy, am I not afraid of any of these movies anymore. <laughs> and I look at the ones that I was afraid of and go, yeah, it makes sense that I was scared of that at the time, but. Uh, yeah. There's like this weird vertex of getting further into um, horror as a genre and um, completely and utterly losing all of my uh, religious beliefs because, like, when I saw the first Conjuring, I was like, it's all real, and was upset about it. And now it's like, I've seen enough horror and whatever. Anyway, so, yeah. Fair that's, enough. I, I'm with you. They're not that scary. <laughs> and honestly, the only things that really scare me, I wouldn't even say scare me, but, like, the horror movies, I'm like, stay away from, or just more of, like, the very graphic, nihilistic experience. Yeah, I'm not into like, the Saw films. I'm well, not into not the even torture porn. Just Saw, but like, uh, that Japanese movie audition about, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, torturing <laughs> yes. the entire time, like, yeah. a Serbian film. It's, it's like the type of shit where it's, or martyrs. It's like, I read the synopsis and it's like, 
Yeah, I don't really feel any need to watch this. Like, I've seen the first, uh, I haven't finished it. I've seen the first, like, 20 minutes of Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Human that Cinep- one. Human Centipede, like, yep. they're just, I don't think that there's any real artistic merit to some of that shit. Uh, no matter how many fucking uh, just, filmmakers, their director's right. name in interviews. Yeah. But anyways, getting back I'm on topic. You. So, with the Conjuring movies, I feel like I enjoy the the, the two Conjuring films, but I feel like there's always this noticeable difference in quality and tone mm. in the uh, spinoff movies. Because it's like, whereas the Conjuring movies kind of like utilize a lot more like subtlety and all that and kind of plays on like kind of the real life experiences that these people had with ghosts. Like they don't go too far with it. Sure. But then all these spinoffs, it's like, nope, there is 100% a demon right fucking there. It's going to yes. murder you. Yes, that like, is exactly how it works. And similarly, in that vein, I think we come to our... Yeah, subject I, today uh, <laughs> conjuring the devil made me do it where I feel like is... they finally uh, they finally caught up and now like the mainline movies have have the same exact like feel of the spin-offs and that like it, they just go so fucking hard in the, uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah I don't, okay so let's let's get into it the first yeah. scene of the movie where there's the uh, we're like oh my God, in the middle yes. of a fucking exorcist with this child and like, glasses boy from Haunting of Hill House and uh, Colorado Space. Yeah, so... I still need to see that one. It's good. So, like, he's, Ish. uh... Like, the <laughs> shit that's happening, like, the house just, like, fucking coming alive. Like, this kid is, like, contorting his body in impossible ways. Which I'm just like, okay, well, this kid clearly just broke every bone in his body doing mm-hmm. this shit. But no, he's fine. Like, you know, he gets he gets his exorcism and, like... I just, first off, I just want to say that, like, I knew something was wrong with this movie from just how that first, those first, like, series of sequences was shot. Like, it just felt like, even though it is a very terrifying moment, some of the moments just felt more dramatic than it really needed to be. And, like, some of the cinematography almost, like, kind of, some of the blocking, too, almost just makes every moment seem just so overly dramatic. From even like just, the movie like, just opens look, up tilting and, her yeah. head across, like, the stairway to watch them run down it. I... Alright, so I, I will I will preface everything. I'm also in preface mode now. Uh, <laughs> Let's just keep infinitely prefacing. To the real review. So, I, I will... Go ahead and spoil it and say that I do not like this movie. I think it's a a bad one. I like some of the movies in this series, and I would say I like the series as a whole, net uh-huh. positive. I think it's I think there's a lot of fun and good moments. I really dislike uh, the Devil Made Me Do It. Yeah, this is a huge piece yeah. of shit. But but I will say, I think it's an interesting. Um, subversion or like play on at least the conjuring movies or this like this uh, specific subgenre of horror to open your movie with the big exorcism uh-huh. because the conjuring and the conjuring 2 um and several other movies uh, throughout this like it happens in uh, la llorona to some extent i'm pretty sure there's at least one of the annabelle movies usually in a movie like this you're building to <laughs> a big exorcist rip-off exorcism with right. a child or an innocent doing whatever. I thought it was, when the movie started, I was like, okay, interesting that you're opening with what is typically the climax right. of one and of these movies. You even have the fucking like, eye-rolling mm-hmm. shot of the preacher getting out of the taxi with like the street oh light over God. him. Like, Jesus Christ. I like, know, I know. It's so, it's so... On the nose. Uh, on the hey, nose, hey. yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, 
But yeah, it's a. Uh, I thought that was interesting, and I was like, okay, curious to see where we go from here. I thought it was. I thought it was a cool opening because I was like, all right, we're getting the the big dumb exorcism. Yeah, spoiler: stuff. it doesn't get better. Which is always, by the way, my least favorite part of these movies is when we. I, I'm so tired of of. Because when they do an exorcism in any this movie or any movie like it, it's always like windows exploding and glass and wind uh-huh. rushing and the power of Christ compels you yeah. like a preacher barely holding his ground with a cross I and a like, child floating. I feel, like, I, I feel like a good comparison is in the second movie, like pretty far into the second film, they're still having debates of like, I think this kid is just like fucking with us. Like, yeah. I think she's like doing this shit herself. We have her on camera doing this. But, like, just the first scene of Conjuring, it's like, yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Like, this yeah. kid is 110% possessed. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I just hit the ground running That's with that. actually a very interesting point, because, like, though, I, again, I can't attest to a completed Conjuring, both move uh, the sequel, um, both films do slowly get to mm-hmm. that point. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's a very crawling, like, uh beat-by-beat moment where we finally get to, like, the big scare or the big uh, yeah. exorcism-like moment. But, uh, yeah, they, they they come at you just, like, head-on. And, you know, I, I agree, that is a cool kind of subversion. It would have been I, cooler if they had done more with it yeah. or made the movie really like, good. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I just didn't dig it. I really didn't dig it. It just felt way too corny. Uh, and that's... And, Something I've really enjoyed about the Conjuring film so far is, you know, they've not really, they've not made, they've not really made like the whole paranormal hunting as hokey or as you know yeah. goofing as they could have made it. I felt like James Wan has approached it with this subtlety and nuance. I'm not gonna lie, this movie made me really appreciate uh, James Wan's mm-hmm. uh, touch on the series, but uh, I. Yeah, fuck you, director Michael Chavez. Yeah. Also the fan, director of fan. The Curse of La Llorona. Uh, ah, all right. I'm just all checking. Right. Wow, that, that's know. like a terrible audition tape. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't I, I, I didn't dig it just because I felt like they're hitting us with every Exorcist like, movie <laughs> cliche. Where we're, what, I, what I find it, really funny is like the kid is possessed. He stabs his dad mm-hmm. and all that. And then like his... Well, we what never I so, see again what, for yeah, the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, that. But also, like, the the, the little boy, his sister, her, the sister's boyfriend is the one who's just like, take me instead. Like, yeah, that, no, that like, leave really it, bothered like, me. I cannot imagine being that fucking, like, having that strong a feeling of in protection for, like, a significant other's younger sibling. Like, Dude, if I'm in that situation, I'm like, yo, we got priests here and stuff. <laughs> like, someone's gonna get this sorted. I don't need to uh, volunteer as... <laughs> and so, like, he says this to the, the spirit, and so it clearly possesses him and leaves the kid alone. And somehow, only fucking Patrick Wilson notices this, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter because he's in a coma. What, but but, 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 but what gets me is... Everyone just seems to go back to normal with these. Oh people. yeah, it's like, like the, 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 the next scene. It's like, ball, they're, like yeah, they're in the the fucking front yard. Like the the whoo, sister's boy, over. the sister's boyfriend is like wrestling on the grass with the kid. <laughs> the dad who was stabbed is like cooking burgers, and it's like, what is Man. this like? Is this like the very next day? Like there's <laughs> no fucking like the way. Simpsons or something. Thursday was it's, weird, huh? Right? <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like okay, I guess there had to have been some time elapsing, but then like after the movie's like, no, that was a really stupid movie. I think this literally was the very next day yeah. after the Exorcist. <laughs> well, it's just like we, we, we our reference for time 
thinking it is relatively short, it's because it goes to pack during that sequence of events. Patrick, uh, Patrick Wilson's, Wilson's character still is still in a yeah, he's still in which a is hospital. funny that it's like kid like fucking breaks every bone in his body. Other guy like gets possessed. Dad gets stabbed, but Patrick Wilson's the one he's like still in the hospital. <laughs> And, like, as soon as he wakes up from the coma, it's like, that kid is possessed! What are you guys doing? Like, how did nobody notice this shit? Oh, my God. And I, you know, I, I, I enjoy Patrick Wilson. Here, and... Yeah, that, I wanted to bring that up, too. Okay. I, I... I I enjoy Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, but I... I God, they were terrible in this. <laughs> Everybody was terrible in this movie, in fairness. But, my, but the point I was wanting to make is, because we were talking about him in the coma, and then she... There's that scene where she just goes on about how they met, like, just given the backstory. Oh, the fucking gazebo? Yeah, and him working as, like, the most ridiculously dressed, like, movie theater employee. Which, you know, I, you know I'm not saying they didn't dress their employees And they're like young that, versions, but, but, like, but, 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 just, nothing like their adult yeah, but No, but just that whole backstory is just so ridiculously cheesy. And it annoys me. They tie it into the film later And it's one of those things, it's it's so left field that uh, you become annoyed because it's like, okay, well that clearly plays into the like, solution or the climax of the movie. Yeah, they're not subtle. I, in in viewing all these movies, that's a thing that I've come to realize. Let me me first clarify, fuck the Warrens. Like, IRL the Warrens. Like, fuck those people. (laughs) I am not familiar with them whatsoever. They're just grifters, con artists, people showing up to people who have, you know, like in this real life case, like this dude stabbed someone to death and then they're showing up to be like, yeah, we actually, uh, we have it on legal authority to say that this was actually that the devil was, was the one that did the stabbing and we're here and the family is just like, yeah, of course. He couldn't have done it. It had well, to have been the devil. So we're listening to these people. Well, anyway, that's like it's just... Patrick Wilson's line or Ed Warren's line about like, uh, if the court accepts the existence of God, then it must accept the existence of the devil. It's like, that's that makes sense in a way. But also, fuck you. Like, that's, yeah. it's like, it's all bullshit. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh. it's, it's a load of bullshit. It's like, if anything, like... we should be removing the ex- accepting God's existence yeah, exactly, from the courtroom. Exactly. So. And, that, but all that said, I really like Patrick Wilson. First of all, I've said, I said in one of our recent episodes how much I love Patrick Wilson because oh, he yeah. just kind of feels like a dude who's like in movies and I'm just like, yes, that guy. He is, he's, he's so consistent and reliable. Yes, yes. I really, really like him. He, he so. will probably never win an Oscar. I'm thrilled. Might not ever even get nominated. <laughs> no, probably, probably not. not. Probably but I am not. thrilled that he has like a franchise where he has like a, a steady gig right. that he can come I like back that. to. Poor Patrick. Yeah. And and I I've come to realize I really like Vera Farmiga as well. No, so, she's great. I yeah, mean they both they're both terrific. They're both hot. I love watching <laughs> them do dumb ghosty shit. It's wonderful. So <laughs> But no this love singing them. Something that really bothered me of I feel like and I'm reminded of a problem I I had with this movie that I had completely forgotten about until this exact moment, and it is so sort of that slant of just like the way they go in they the way they go into court defending their uh, the, the the way they're defending their um, clients if we can call them that or I gotta say like they, the, the way the movie was structured like just from the beginning I was like holy shit is this movie mostly gonna be like a courtroom drama well that's just it but, but, but my issue is it almost feels like semi-propaganda for like the fucking satanic panic of, okay like, the yeah. that's something I, I actually that... really want to address yes. is like how 
kind of like insulting and offensive the actual like villain of the movie is. Yeah. And it's like the, not even that. It's, just it's understand. And, and it's I'm a, not trying to go to bat for Satanism, but, but it's like, like it's it has a such sa- a cartoonish understanding yeah, a of it all. Satan worshiping witch that's like fucking torturing a child and like yeah I don't know I just feel like especially since the movie's set in like uh, what the early eighties yeah. Yeah, it's, so. like, just set around the time of, like, the satanic panic and just kind of, which, of course, has echoes today in, like, the QAnon movement. So, I don't know. I feel like it gives, like, a little too much credence to the idea of, like, Satan worshippers committing, yes. like, atrocities against children. I think this movie is a little bit, not a little bit, I think this movie's pretty, like, irresponsible. No, like, I it's agree. Very it's, much it is, so. It is very made so. and marketed a... with the with the mentality and the, the thought process in mind of a very, like, uh... Well, just a very religious country who already believes in that stuff, and then you to see, put that it up said, into my, context. My <laughs> my issue isn't even so much of like I'm offended from the stance of Satanists or Wiccans or anyone who like. Yeah. Impi- no, it's more of just it gives Clay's absolutely right. It gives credence to conspiracy uh, laden people out there who uh, I also did. I, I mean, I, to that, and there's already people out there who apparently have a hard time telling the difference between fucking movies and reality. Right. Right, specifically the people who believe into that, buy into that. No, shit they anyways. buy into that shit. Like, I'm dude. okay with like someone's with like with like the Conjuring or the Conjuring Two. It's like, oh, it's a family and they've tried everything and they're right, isolated right. and the Warrens come in and it's all taking place out in this like big spooky house on a ranch and a dis, you know, and it kind of feels like its own its own little world and whatever. But you start bringing in like legal stuff and the court existing ex- accepting the existence of the devil and here's how satanists operate i was just like okay now we're like mixing we're put we're mixing foods right, like, together right. they, like, they i, I, I genuinely don't think they could have over sensationalized this story oh, anymore absolutely, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. which i also gotta say like yeah i think it's yeah the whole I, it gives credence to the satanic panic idea but also just the idea of witches being evil is like yeah. such a fucking outmoded idea like witches are generally pretty fucking like chill people like, like i feel like the movie the witch wasn't like that uh, ridiculous it was nowhere near like that mm-hmm. in its portrayal of witches it didn't even portray them it's just like and that was just evil. going off of like old like colonial like, yeah, like, yeah. writings and folklore and stuff like well, it's fun for that... what it is it's not po- positing itself as like this is what and witches even, be like <laughs> and even with even in that regard it still wasn't framing witches as necessarily villains in the film it wasn't yeah. necessarily fra- framing but like a bunch just... of women pushed to the fringes of society by the uh, shitty patriarchal uh, structure the of very, uh, civilization uh, exactly. christian nationalist patriarchal society yeah um like really the fucking monsters of that movie are her parents like yeah. or they're, they're the monsters of the film mm-hmm. or specifically the dad i'd say yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, like, okay, so she puts this, the witch puts a totem underneath the fucking house, oh like, God. to get the kid. Like, that's how she does it. But then we see later that she that she literally has the ability to, like, materialize out of nothing and, like, she has superpowers. Yeah. She has straight-up superpowers. She does. Like, when she comes and kills her own dad, like, she, like, uh, literally appears right behind him from mm-hmm. nothing. So it's like, so you have magic bi- abilities, but you had to, like... There's some weird shit in the Conjuring universe I've come to realize. Yeah. We, I mean, the movie... A weird... The, oh, no, 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 no. Weird in the sense of, like, huh, man, that is some interesting phenomena. Or weird... That, because we literally... Doesn't make because the villain sense. has... We, the movie literally ends with, like, the villain having her soul taken by the devil. 
Well, Which yes, there's that. Better. And I'll get into it later because I do want to briefly talk about the franchise as a whole after we finish talking about this movie. But uh, there is a movie with zombies. What, Actual in this franchise. In this franchise, zombies are canonical. Like it is decapit. One is decapitated. One is killed with a shotgun. Uh, to uh, put it oh. down. They're, okay. They're, that is out there in this. <laughs> so, all right. Okay, so I, zombies all right, are in right, play. Right. Zombies are in play in the Conjuring right. universe. <laughs> I don't... They can do anything now, I feel. <laughs> I don't mind tonal inconsistencies from film to film within a shared yes. universe, a film canon. You have the... Tell you what. The zombies, they fit very neatly <laughs> into this movie, Get surprisingly. Out. Get out. I love Get to out. T- I love to talk about Get it later. Out. Get love out. to talk about no, it. No, no, this isn't an invitation to go on. Yeah. Get the fuck out of our house. Okay, well, that's what I figured you were saying. I'm, I'm standing uh, up. I'm, I'm working sorry. my way towards I'm, the door. I'm sorry. I just can't. Like we get to zombies, I'm thinking just Walking Dead shit and everything. Mm. They have. And, and, I don't know. Something I well, enjoy. Well, about more, the, oh, I, I fuck think, a zombie. I'm not saying. I feel yeah, like this but, would probably be more like Evil Dead. Yes. Oh, oh, fair Evil Dead is a much more apt character. But I don't know. I just feel like. And while, you know, definitely fantasy elements of all, you know, all these movies, even, you know, the first, especially the first two country films, I feel like there's, the first two are still somewhat grounded enough in yeah. reality to not well, ever, like... I, I mean, it's because, like, I, I'm, I'm a skeptical guy when it comes to, I'm, I'd say I'm an agnostic person when it comes to ghosts. I don't rule it out. I, I, it's I, usually not my first go-to. Right, but it's like, you know, when I've experienced things that can't be explained, when I watch videos of things that can't be explained, even with my knowledge of, like, you know, special effects and trick, trick photography editing, and shit, yeah. like, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that there are, you know, ghosts, spirits, what the fuck ever. It's plausible. But then when a movie just wants to come at me and be like, nope, not just ghosts, but God and the devil exist, and the devil is trying to kill us all. <laughs> like... I feel like it's just like taking a huge leap in like superstition into just straight up, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. I I I, it I can me. even get by divorced from hyper, which I mean it's never been divorced from religion. I mean, so The Conjuring Two, while it is mostly grounded, it does end with a big windows exploding, people being thrown through the air, holding up crucifixes, yeah. shouting at a demon type shit. Like it, it does end up there. So it it, it goes. It's really the first movie to to go big in that way before almost every other movie decided to, to do that. Well, maybe not even the first, because I know there was at least an Annabelle or two prior to The Second Conjuring, so who knows. But anyway, uh, I forgot where I was going with all that. But yeah, it's like you can you can still do like ghosts and demons when a, with a religiously ambiguous thing. You can still say, well, a demon is a spirit, but it's just inhuman, so we don't really know what it is, but it's not usually good to have around. It's like when I read Philosophers, who like so much of their solution is just like God yeah God is the answer to so many things like letting God's love fill you it's like it's just like a dead end for me you know yeah, like, yeah, like, no, I can't connect totally. with it in any deeper way so cop out yeah but yeah I just so yeah we've we've talked about it ad nauseum but just it it it's just I don't I'm not comfortable with everything that it's trying to to combine and all of that stuff. So uh, literally the movie got started and I, I had to pull out my phone and Google the actual court case in real life and make sure that the guy <laughs> went to jail because I'm like if we get to the end of this movie and they air quotes prove that he was possessed and that that's why and that 
you know, he's innocent by by virtue of possession and he walks free, uh-huh. I'm going to be pretty pissed off. But I was like, oh, thank God, he went to prison. Yeah, so. no, I was, I was, I, I thought it would have been hilarious if it ended with the judge just going, what are you, fucking crazy? Guilty. Yeah. Go, well, that's basically how it is. Like, it's, it's almost, pl- I almost felt a, a comedic beat because he stands up to receive his verdict and he looks back at the warrants and it just goes, he was sentenced to whatever. Yeah, just like, like, no shit. I'm like, sure. yeah, of course he was. Because guess what? The devil made me do it is never a good fucking defense. But that's the other thing about this movie in relation to all of that is that we're making a movie about a centered on real life events about a real life man who actually stabbed someone to death and stabbed him like 30 times. And you tried tried to to use a defense, a crazy defense, and then failed. So, like, the idea of trying trying to make him out to be sympathetic in the Warrens to be the heroes for utilizing a defense that didn't work, it's like, of course they had to pull all this bullshit out of their asses. It's like, it's like, I think this is a really weird and rough and coarse, but I just can't think of a better analogy at the moment, but it's like... You know, it's like how Quentin Tarantino movies are revisionist history. Right, you know, right, like they, right. kill, they kill Hitler in the theater or whatever. This Sharon is like, Tate doesn't get murdered. Yeah, exactly. This is like this is like revisionist history. If the Jews were all bad, evil monsters, <laughs> and Hitler was right <laughs> to murder. Hitler all of them. had the right Hitler, idea. Hitler he was, was the good guy. Head. The whole. I know that's a much more extreme example, right. but that it's it's like. Make, taking history and saying, like, what if the bad guy, the guy who stabbed someone to death by stabbing him 30-something times or 20-something times, whatever, it was a very vicious stabbing, what if he really was possessed by the devil and was totally absolved of, of his... That's, it's like, it's it, like yeah. I just, I can't, that, there's yeah. a problem That's with what that. makes me think of, I don't know, it kind of makes me, in a way, think of, like, that fucking Greatest Showman movie that came out a couple yes, of years ago. Yes, that's another great right oh, yeah. to betray P.T. Barnum was as this, wonderful. As this wonderful he loved yes, He loved elephants. Elephants and were his taught, best friends. He, he taught zero to death. He taught people with deformities to be comfortable with themselves exactly. and perform. He, he didn't at all exploit them. <laughs> like, he didn't oh, and he didn't own slaves. That's funny how that never, you know, they don't show that Zendaya and Zac Efron were there. We were all singing funs and not whipping elephants to death. It was nice. God damn, man, no, like, fucking, that's very problematic trying to frame people like that. You're exactly right. Like, not only is it bad enough that, like, the Warrens are framed as legitimate investigators, but we're somehow showing this guy to be a murderer to somehow be a victim here. Mm-hmm. Like, that is so fucked up. Like, yeah. you're, you're, oh my. It's, 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 it's like the movie, it's yeah, it doesn't backwards. ask the ethical question of, hey, is it bad to make somebody who is convicted of murder into a uh, total victim? Yeah. I'm not trying to be a snowflake here. Just, oh, movie, how dare you? But no, no it's I, just, it's very irresponsible. It yeah, really it's, is. It's just, it's just weird oh, and not the right angle. I also want to say, in terms of how irresponsible this movie is, but the guy who does get killed, who, the guy who gets stabbed, the landlord... He totally deserved it in the movie. Oh, like, yeah, no, he that guy so in the context no of the movie. Yeah, yeah, he was so abrasive and obnoxious. I would have murdered him myself. Even without the, without devil, the hallucination. Like, I feel like the demon was like inside the kid was like, yeah, we're going to go and stab the Warrens to death and get these pesky thorns out of our side. And then that guy just started being annoying. And they're like, fuck, nope, can't hold guy, back. This, this guy. guy. <laughs> it's this one. I was going to wait. I was saving it for for uh, for Ed, but I've got, I've got to do it now. All right, hear me out. I feel like this would really... this. 
this could really kick off like the whole franchise, the Conjuring universe, mm. more for like a big Avengers style crossover film. Sure. You have the devil as like the Thanos like threats, and this was Do they, like uh, a... team up with Alex Jones to defeat uh, oh Satan. Oh, of course, <laughs> dude. Of course, absolutely. And the Jews, man, and the Jews. Man, yeah. But uh, yeah, but no, the uh, that I, I feel like there should be almost like a. Like that fucking terrible post-credit scene at Age of Ultron with Thanos just like getting the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, like yeah, I'll just do it myself. That's like yeah. a scene of Satan just like getting his pitchfork. It's just like all right, now it's time to get my hands dirty. I'm picturing, um, I'm picturing Annabelle sitting on a yacht and Satan pulls up in a boat and walks <laughs> up in slow motion, backlit at dusk, and I think it's time we start a league of our own. <laughs> uh. Yeah, anyway, there's also, aside from everything that we've mentioned, uh, almost every single one of these movies, almost all the movies in this franchise have a really, like, memorable, like, set piece or scary thing where I'm just like, man, that's gonna stick in my brain because that was just well Uh thought out. I think about, like, the, uh... Like the sheet and the first conjuring that stops in midair, then goes up to the window, and there's a thing in the window, or um, <laughs> one of the Annabelle movies. I don't know if it's one you guys have seen, but there's a a, a priest. Uh, the Annabelle doll is like in a chair, and there's like this shadow that's like infecting the room and getting larger, like blacking out the lights and stuff. And uh-huh. in the darkness, like this horrible like figure forms, like these whited out eyes that starts walking towards the. Anyway, mm-hmm. the guy like holds up a crucifix and is like praying or whatever. And each of his fingers gets torn backwards one at a time until he drops the crucifix and the darkness overtakes it. Like, there's all these, in most of these movies, there's at least one moment where I'm just like, fuck, that stands out. That's awesome. There's nothing in this movie. <laughs> there's, really there's the, there's the, the, the heavier set body of the dead person who keeps running at Patrick Wilson, and there's the witch that can teleport. And other than that, I'm just like, I can't remember. Nothing stood out. There was not a moment where I was like, oh, that's creepy, that's Which, really holy clever. Shit, like, yeah, it's I very forgot boring. about the fucking zombie dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot that they, they, the fucking demon literally reanimated a goddamn corpse. Oh, yeah. like, I'm just so used to that. that uh, I'm just so used to that shit being like, oh, it was just a vision. But then, like, when the actual body falls, it's like, Oh, wait, so this is actually yeah, happening? Like... I didn't think about that, because I was using a, a different movie as the precedent for zombies, because the body does come at Patrick Wilson or Ed Warren at one point when they're in their house, but then it promptly disappears, so I'm like, I was I was kind of on the fence of whether or not it was real, but I definitely think in the morgue, at least, that that body is, is, is up and going, so... Yeah. It's just one of those things that's like, the rules of this movie and the, the horror of it all are so poorly defined that, like, it just doesn't... It, it, it just trivializes all the stakes of the movie. Plus, nothing really... No scene really makes sense. Like, shit just happens. There's no real rhyme or reason for it. One, and it, like, here's something just minor here that just kept bugging me for a couple scenes after. When she's running through the forest and everything, through mm-hmm. that sort of, like, clairvoyant sequel, yeah. uh, sequence... Uh, uh, Patrick Wilson's chasing after and he starts having convulsions like because of his mm-hmm. uh, you know his recent heart attack and he's on the ground clutching himself he's able to eventually catch up to her right before she goes off the cliff oh yeah. and then like he, he caught a second the black the cop, like, cop shows up and it's like you could keep up with a guy who was having like who has a cane another and heart attack heart. like good <laughs> Fucking God, what the hell were you doing? Just go, oh, I, I'm gonna, no, I'll just stay, I'll just, no, I should go. I, I, what? The, uh. It drives me nuts how they just have, the Warrens just have, like, complete 
disregard for the law and do whatever they want to throughout <laughs> oh, the movie. Like, you know, when the they fucking, fucking break into the morgue. Oh, yeah, that their lawyer is basically just like, all right, well, you guys go do the uh, the investigating. Uh, and, uh, you guys do everything. Yeah. I'll try and make it work in court. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God, that forgot She's a public that. defender, maybe. I don't know. Give her a break if she's a public defender. They have hard lives. R.I.P. Turk. Um... <laughs> public defender that I've worked with at the district attorney's office or who was around. He died in the elevator. <laughs> he, he was o- an old man, very tired, very overworked, and he died in the courthouse on the elevator. God I know. damn, man. Pay public defenders more and appreciate them. That's a necessary part of society yeah. and a shit job to have. <laughs> you go also, to law school just to be a public see, but defender. But the thing is, I feel like for a society to make the decision to actually pay public defenders more, that means they would actually have to give a shit about poor people, and uh, so I feel like you we know I didn't take, think of it like that. For, we got to take that first. We got to first step. Take that first step at acknowledging that you know, poor people actually have human emotions and despite feelings. The fact that they like not, eating food. Despite the fact that they're not really people. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by David Turk and public defenders everywhere. Yeah, so anyway, I just hate that they continuously ignore the law and do whatever and break into the break into the morgue and do they're they're constantly just like, Yeah, who gives a shit? Correcting We're the with the sort of Scooby Doo mystery ink impunity here. There's all yeah, there's <laughs> all the uh, the cops who are like, What are you guys and Vera Farmiga's like, I can see things you can't. I've got visions and stuff like Fuck off. It's also funny that they have a kid that really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. be hilarious just using those credentials, like, almost like a cop film, like, you run up to a car. It's like, I need to come into your vehicle. I have visions. <laughs> like, I can see like, things. You can't. <laughs> okay, okay, here's my car. The world's gonna end. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I've got for conjuring the devil made me do it. I just want to say, like, that's... You know, it's not like this was one of those franchises that I... I I've only seen the Conjuring movies of, like, the expansive film universe, but I was kind of hoping that at least the Conjuring films themselves could maintain maintain this sort of, like, consistent quality. Yeah. Man, this was a dramatic drop with the change of direction. Kind of just makes you feel like the franchise as a whole is pretty dead now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know in terms... I'm sure, I'm sure it'll probably keep going, but... No, I'm sure there'll be more spin-off movies. As far as quality, as far as my interest goes, yeah, it's dead. All right, so I'll talk about the... the as a whole, real quick. Um, yeah, sell me on it, because... My, my interest has actually peaked after finishing it, knowing what's on the horizon, um, because we're still waiting on The Crooked Man, who is probably one of my favorite things in all of the Conjuring universe, mm-hmm. because he's Great like... Great design. Great design, such a delight, brief but delightful sequence in The Conjuring too. So I would love to see a movie about him. Um, from from least favorite to to most favorite, there's the original Annabelle, which I haven't seen since I saw it in theaters, and it terrified me at the time. But from memory, it wasn't a very good movie. No, I probably um, need to re- revisit it, but no, you did, didn't like it very much. Yeah, I saw it got kind of shredded by uh, critics at the time. Second to last, I have Annabelle Comes Home, which is one of the more recent ones. Oh, yeah, you, I saw that one. You that, get the benefit uh, of the Warrens being... That was just more like a misadventures and babysitting sort of yeah, bullshit. Yeah, it's also... Nobody... Not a single person died in that movie, either. Yeah, <laughs> zero body count. Wait, just a lot what? of terrible decisions. There's hardly anybody ever dies in these movies. It's all just said such in... such a low... And it's all just said in one house, like... Yeah. That sounds boring. Oh, and there's like... There's like a fucking werewolf, right? There is a werewolf in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Werewolves are also in play. <laughs> yeah. Werewolves are in play. I in did Annabelle. forget about that. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, a there's fucking... Just, there's just like a 
wolf man monster like a, that gets conjured from hell or some shit. I don't know. It's not the best one. I, don't, I was about to say, like, a fucking spooky-ass doll isn't enough. You gotta throw werewolves into the mix. Not a great movie. Uh, third from the, in the sixth position, The Devil Made Me Do It, we talked about it. In the fifth position, I have Curse of La Llorona. Not a great movie. Beautiful cinematography. There are, like, incredible <laughs> shots and just really well, like, set-up sequences. Also, Linda Cardellini is the lead. I have such uh, a soft spot for Linda Cardellini. Lover, lover, lover. Love her. Uh, not a great movie, but you have uh, the guy who plays uh, Raymond Cruz, I think is his name, who plays Tuco Salamanca in Breaking Bad ah. and uh, Better Call Saul. He shows up as like a John Constantine type, like uh, okay. renegade, like a cultist, totally like whatever. Yeah, it was. That was, and he's he's decent. Like anyway, there's there's a lot to like about it. It's just kind of a poorly put together movie like mm-hmm. I, but I, re- I i did enjoy it um above that i have annabelle creation which i don't remember being great but i liked it okay i had i gave it a three at the time on letterboxd um one of the more better reviewed ones yeah if I'm yeah right. and it has the one just, annabelle movie i haven't seen i just <laughs> checked it has better reviews this is also the one that has the the tearing the fingers off one by one with the crucifix sequence which i think is like one of my favorite sequences in the conjuring i believe in it's general. also directed by the guy who did shazam it is David F. Sandberg, yes, which is why it's slightly better, because David F. Sandberg <laughs> is a competent filmmaker. Um, after that, in the three spot, I have The Original Conjuring, which I think is fine. Uh, two spot, I have The Conjuring 2. And in the one I'm spot... very curious to see what number one is. Shockingly, is The Nun. Really? Wow. Nun's really? fucking badass, man. Oh. That's the one that has zombies. Huh, okay. So, okay. the I movie... Explain. Yeah, the movie is... Uh, there's just, like, a monastery out in um, Romania and the plot of the movie is that um, because it's a monastery full of nuns the a dude who delivers supplies to the nuns um, from the nearby town shows up and uh, a nun has hung herself from like the very top floor of like it's like a castle like an old castle converted into a monastery she's hung herself from it so he reaches out in town and in town he gets back to the Catholic Church and they send an official uh, to come down there along with, like, a nun in training who hasn't taken her vows yet um, to potentially uh, fill a spot at the monastery. But they're sent there to have her take her vows and fill a spot, and he's there to check on everything, make sure everything's good, but also to inspect the grounds and make sure they're still holy. Um, and they show up, and the grounds are very much not holy, and it's one where I don't want to give too much away because I, I do want people to see this very surprising movie. It's almost... One, I, I dig the premise so hard. It's like church officials coming to, like, investigate, like, is everything cool here? Is it not? So there's, like, this weird mystery element. But then it also just... Uh, by the end of the movie, it's like an action adventure horror hmm. in a similar vein to like Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. <laughs> like you have like <laughs> shotguns and zombies, you have a sequence where a bunch of like faceless demon creatures are like cornering the the preacher and he was like quickly with like oil like draws a crucifix on the floor, says a prayer and sets it on fire and all the creatures scatter. Like it's just like it just gets so fucking ridiculous, <laughs> but in a very, like, I think it's intentional. Like, I look at it, and it has awful reviews on Letterboxd. Yeah, to and my people, recollection, and, it got 
pretty bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Every well. rev- all the top reviews on Letterboxd are talking about how it just uses cheap jump scares and it's just loud noises and stuff like that, which I'm just kind of done with with that argument. Like, yes, you can. There are movies that cheapen themselves with that and and whatever, but this. I think people are just fundamentally misunderstanding what it is because it's so thematically and its tone and everything feels so distinct from the other Conjuring movies. But in a really cool, like, gothic nightmare, the castle looks amazing. Um, they did a really weird and uncanny thing with casting where the young nun who hasn't taken her vows yet is uh, Tysa Farmiga, right. who looks just like a younger Vera, but um, there's they don't... I was thinking the whole time, oh, they're going to, like, do a whole, like... And she's actually the grandmother of the of the Warrens, and she they're related. Or they don't do that. There's no like stupid like callback family lineage thing. She's just they just look alike. So there's like I think it, I thought of it. I was like, oh, I'm glad they didn't go that route with it. But anyway, uh, I really fucking like the nun. Surprisingly, we saved that one for last because Becca and I were like, this this one's gonna suck, and I love it. So anyway, uh, and there's zombies and lots of other weird shit you've got a little demon boy whose power is to projectile vomit snakes and <laughs> anyway it's shit gets weird and it's delightful so that's the conjuring universe in a in a, ver- in a nutshell and so I fuck with the nun <laughs> so it's all canonical like uh, mm-hmm. there are okay because i wasn't sure if it was some of it was more like we Concept, you know, conceptually borrowed an idea from yeah this is a this movie is a direct like and here's how Valak, which is the name of the nun, um, comes to be a force in uh, in the Conjuring too. Like here's how she was this demon that's out in uh, Romania. That look the 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 turns, but basically the monastery we find out was an old castle that was built over a portal to hell where they were going to open it and unleash evil spirits until crusaders and like templar knights came in and stormed and killed everybody and using a what i i describe it like this because it's a shape it's not literally but in in shape alone a hand grenade filled with the blood of jesus christ they used to seal the portal and then they put nuns in to watch over the portal and protect it from the demons getting out and the movie basically just becomes the portal is opening we have to find the hand grenade with the blood of jesus christ dig uh, ourselves under the monastery and seal the portal this is starting to sound a little too much like some evil dead shit (laughs) it's it's ridiculous it's evil dead shit it's like the mummy with brent and it's, it's all those things. It's like an action adventure horror thing, and people were just like going to it with something else in mind. Anyway, it's terrific. So I don't want to talk about that forever, but <laughs> I love the nun. Everybody watch the nun, but remember the things that I said about it and like it more than you would have otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you guys want to talk about? Oh, other than a more recent thing we've seen uh, was Bo Burnham's Inside, which... I, I also watched Bo Burnham's Inside. I would like to talk about that. Okay, let's like, talk it's, about it. It's a little that. hard to talk about. It is. It's not exactly uh, narratively driven. No, yeah. but I feel like, to be honest with you, I've, I want to talk about it just because, one, as far as something like... that, I mean, this was, you know, written, directed by Burnham, so if I were to look at this as like... More of, like, an idea of, like, an experimental cinema piece versus, like, a... Uh, I mean, it's a stand-up bit. Like, it's a stand-up act. Yeah. But, like, 
it's shot so differently. Like, it has... It's not the typical stand-up routine of just a guy standing on stage. To it almost feels like it's kind of underselling it by just calling it, like, a comedy special. Yeah. Like, conceptually, it's so much more, and I really like it. Like, I, I, I'm not really into watching comedy specials. I'll listen yeah. to them because it just... Visually, there's nothing... Yeah, I don't need to watch a guy there. stand on a stage for like an hour, you know. Mm. However, this I loved. Like it utilized space so well. Like it was just like we had talked about how we had flirted with the idea of like doing almost like a pandemic <clears throat> a film festival of ideas yeah. of like people short films people made during the pandemic. Just and I love the idea of just that, just utilizing your space to right. make like a short film. And that just it, this is to some degree, what, you know, I had envisioned, but just so much better. It's almost like, I hate to use this word because, like, the New Yorker used it in describing the film, but it is almost like a selfie in a way. Huh. That, uh, he it, it follows, tracks himself through the year, and I like that we can do that through his facial hair and the length of his hair growing is how we're able to sort of gauge time from the beginning of it. Right. So, it's... I, I really enjoy it, even more so than his actual movie, 8th Grade, because this actually yeah. felt personal. Yeah. I, like, it, it's it's really... clear that Burnham has graduated to the ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just like, I didn't feel like any sort of like connection that he had to because, Yeah, subject. because Bo Burnham like, telling the story about a modern-day teenage girl like in the 8th grade. Yeah, it's like, what, connection, what personal connection can he really have with that story versus the story of his own fucking, like, you know exile and during a pandemic when he can't go out and see other people and do shit so and, I, and in that way it's not only is it more personal for him but it's relatable as hell for all of us you know yeah we like all, we... all went through that and it's i don't know it's like a kind of an interesting catharsis to see that to and have it, it come out right at the you know as the pandemic's starting to end and in a way i like you almost see this sort of like and you get that in that sort of like that bit with the commentary on his internship song, just sort of the mm -hmm. repetition of it all. And you sort of like get that, you can kind of relate to that in the way where it's just like during the pandemic, because we couldn't see anybody, our lives were essentially, whether or not you were an essential worker or not, is just go to work and go home. Or, you know, if you do work for home, you uh, just work and stay home. So it feels like you just have these very... Your life was just essentially just these small snapshots again and again and again and again every single day. Like, it, I don't know, it's very funny, very creative, and just uh, expressing ideas or just thoughts we know undoubtedly all had during the pandemic. Or I don't anyone know, like, who took, who was socially responsible and actually mm -hmm. took this seriously. Right. And, like, you know, we've talked before about how, like, I don't know if we have all this podcast, but... You and I, Trey, have talked about how comedy is something that generally ages pretty poorly. Like, comedy is always, like, a genre that will age the worst because, you know, senses, their tastes change and all that and sensibilities change. So I feel like in that way, I feel like it's super effective in that way because it becomes such a time capsule for a moment, an artifact of, like, the last year, you know? Something that'll seem a little, like, I guess, strange and foreign to us, like... You know, maybe even just, like, a few years down the road, you know, when we have some distance from all this. But, you know, like, I still feel like it, as a, I guess, yeah, to borrow the New Yorker's uh, phrase, like, or terminology, as a selfie, like, I don't know, like, I just feel like it perfectly encapsulates that shitty year we all just had. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think it's it's terrific. 
I love it. I've seen it twice now. And the songs um, are catchy. It's hell. The songs are yeah, very I'm catchy. I like a bunch of the cat songs. I'm typically not a big fan of like <laughs> musical music portions of Bo Burnham. I know that's stupid because that's yeah. his whole shtick. But like, yeah, yeah when so I first heard, st- found out who Bo Burnham is, I was like, yeah, it's cool that he can do these comedic songs, but every single song sounds the same. So and like, they yeah. typically have the same gag to them. Like there are a few standouts, but uh, most of the time it's very similar. I think it's all terrific. I, I don't. I don't want to understate that enough. Like I think it's wonderful. I have a couple of like, maybe I'm being picky, maybe whatever. Go but for I, it. There no, are a few, over here, man. There, there are a few things that that do rub me wrong about this. And one like, and I and I feel like there you can creatively stretch your imagination a little bit beyond the premise itself and understand how everything's literal. But a big thing that I kept thinking of that just came crashing in every time I was, like, watching him curled mm-hmm. up on the floor on a pillow with all of his wires, talking into a mic about how depressed he is or crying in his camera or whatever, I can't help but remember he doesn't live there. That's a room in a building that he owns separate from his life where he lives happily with his girlfriend, where he's mm-hmm. at the end of every day closing that door, driving home, and having human interaction with somebody who oh, yeah. presumably there's, loves him more than anybody else. There's never a in my mind. So like, there's no this, fucking way he's this, actually so not seeing anybody. So this whole, anybody. like, I'm so tortured and I can't get out of this fucking room thing, like, I get that there's, like, a a, a larger concept of relatability to that in that... Your room can be the, the the space can Becomes be like a, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. a metaphor prison. yeah yeah a self imposed prison a metaphor for wherever it is that you're trapped specifically and he I know he's set out on this quest to make this special and he's making it in this room and that's the thing so he's tired of being in there and I get that but there's just also like this thing in my brain that's just like okay like. I hate it because I want people to be able to show emotion and I think and be and in whatever with their art and whatnot. But there is something where, with that thought in the back of my mind, I can't. What works for me is the emotion that's conveyed through the music and the sketches and skits themselves. Mm-hmm. I zero percent fuck with and actively roll my eyes at all of the filming himself in the mirror or like, okay, I'm almost done with the fuck, fuck, and he's knocking things over. I'm like. Fuck off! Come on, that's <laughs> you're, you're 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 posing for the camera. Yeah, you're, I guess you're, I, you're doing a you're doing a song and dance. And I, I just compart- I can't abide. compartmentalize it as every stand up I've watched is a performance in the end. Sure, yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's there's just something about that where I don't know. I I don't want to. I don't. I'm, again, I think it's terrific and I love it and I think it's a beautiful piece of art and I've watched it twice. I don't I don't watch a whole lot of things twice or three times or whatever. And I've been listening to those songs on Spotify. Like it's, it's yep, gr- I think it's terrific, but. But yeah, some of that stuff rubs me the wrong way. And then there's the other thing in the room of like, hey, check out this extremely wealthy guy with all of this super nice equipment who has the luxury (laughs) to not work or do a job or go out in the pandemic and just sit at home and do a masturbatory misery parade where he writes little songs and dances around in his underwear in this room and complains about how sad he is that also just kind of pisses me off if I no, think well, about to it. Be, to be fair, like, I, I definitely feel that. Oh my god. That's, uh, you know, Eliza and James, they were out of work for a good stretch of last yeah. year and, like, they would, like, complain about, you know, being at the house all the time and it's like, 
yeah, I feel that, but I'm only just going between being home and being at work, yeah. and that's not really an escape. So, yeah. like, yeah. I think I'd rather just be at home doing nothing all day. The point <laughs> is, like, out of last year, whether or not you had to go to work or stay here, yeah. no one was really... No one was on the better end of the stick. Sure, sure, yeah. But I, ag- I agreed to that. But, uh, by all means, like, I really enjoyed this. More, I think the thing I enjoyed most about this was just the concept of it all. Just yeah. the idea of a comedy special kind of broken down into these film sketches. Just because, again, I hate watching comedy specials. I hate it when I'm hanging out with friends for smoking. It's like, oh, hey, we should pull up this comedy special. Like, Dude, this guy's so funny. And it's just like, yeah, the jokes might be funny, but I don't want to just watch some asshole walk back and forth on stage. Yeah. Like, that is so boring to me. I would much rather just listen to a comedy stand-up routine, like on a drive or something like that. Like, but and this, I, and I, I, I like this more than anything because of what it could potentially promise down the line. I like what the idea that this p- p- throws out into the atmosphere of what comedy specials could be more so than what this actually is. I it's really like, I mean, before, it, like, kind of Bo Burnham's hook was like, oh, he tells jokes in the forms of songs. Like, right. But, like, I just, what I appreciated inside is the fact that he's able to use, like, the actual form of filmmaking to tell jokes. Yes, exactly. And I would like to see more of that done with just, like, comedy, like, stand-up. Just because I'm kind of tired of, you know, I'm personally tired of just typical stand-up routines. And there's a lot of interesting people out there with particular shtick I think could potentially vibe very well with that. Plus, we've seen from people, I hate to give this guy any sort of, like, uh any sort of, like, accolades, but I'm not going to deny, like, there are episodes of Louie uh, that uh, were very well-directed. Like, Louie was it, a terrific it, show. No, I don't absolutely. feel weird saying that. Like, like uh, Louis C.K. is a fucking weirdo. And no, yeah, absolutely. There's still, like, like, I mean, there's still, like, fucking, show, like, lines of his that, like, the wisdom of it still yeah. hold true to no. me, regardless of whether yeah. or not he's no. a terrible person. But, uh, I, but like, they, they just, like, I don't know, it just shows that, like, you know, there is, like, an actual art form to stand-up comedy, and these guys are artists in a way, and I would like to see, like, their art not just be in just, like, their delivery and their jokes, but just, like, and more of an expression of themselves, and that's what I really dug about this yep. in particular, is other, because like, it was just, the only like, other, like inno- The only other, like, innovation I've seen recently in stand-up is that comes to mind is probably just Hannah Gadsby but not to say I was thinking which, about something it's, like as much as I enjoy her like, stuff it's like it's not really funny <laughs> it's very serious yeah I, I, you don't watch Nanette you don't you don't smoke with your friend and sit on the couch and be like dude you gotta check out Nanette it's fucking hilarious man like, yeah I really like how the sketches in this um especially in like the the latter half it's almost feels like you can see the process unfolding and that like the next like sketch or thing mm-hmm. feels like a direct response to what came before mm-hmm. it like he had like, like, how, like, like he had some funny songs at the start like let's do sexting and like white woman instagram or whatever and then in the latter half he's just like oh yeah everything's awful and let's just make songs right. that are compoundingly talking about how I, terrible I like how he spent so much of like the final stretch just being like okay I think it's done like I think yeah. this is it I'm mm-hmm. done making this and yeah. something I do like about the special is I feel like in a way it kind of reflects like almost sort of phases of thoughts we had through the mm-hmm. year in response to just income inequality uh, yeah and uh, civil liberties and just sort of like internet culture and the dangers of it especially the closer we got to the election mm-hmm. 
That Welcome to the Internet song is fucking eerie. <laughs> that shit, that, it, that shit gets to me. <laughs> it, it, it really, it's funny because it really, as goofy and fun as it is, it really got me thinking of just like, oh my god, yeah, the... I mean, we've always just, yeah, it goes without saying the internet is a crapshoot of just anything you want, but, like, when you kind of just put it like that, it's just like, oh my god, yeah, no, it's kind of sickening uh, in that perspective. A special shout-out, uh, and just a specific reference in the thing. I, it's been a long time since I've just, like, laughed so hard that I was, like, just in tears and felt like I couldn't breathe uh-huh. type thing. Like, or at least while watching something. I feel like that happens fairly often, like, talking to and hanging out with friends, as it should. But, uh, but yeah, just, like, something eliciting that kind of laughter from me. Um, in the, the sexting song, the, my dick looks like the baby from a racer head. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that shit, I was just, I was crying. I thought I was going to throw up. I was laughing so hard. That was the oh funniest God. shit. I love it. I love the... I love the first round of the song dedicated to Jeffrey Bates. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Drink their blood, fuck their wives. Those more buffets of fucking suck it. <laughs> Jeffrey Bates. <laughs> I really, uh, I'm very partial to the uh, one where it's like he's the streamer playing the video game. Mm. Like, That's really good, yeah. It's like, what can I do? Oh, I can cry. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, uh, that, that hard, sudden, just like, day complete thing. I was like, oh, beautiful. I love that. I was like, oh, okay. I think oh, I can get I, into this I, game. I like this. I like this. <laughs> it's like... Oh, I can't leave the door. I guess I'll just cry again. Yeah, yeah I guess I'll just push the button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I know I, I said I had some... I have some criticisms. I've, I've said those things, but my my takeaway that I want you guys and anybody who listens to this to be... It's terrific. I, right. I love it. I think no. it's an accomplished and I, and I, piece of art. And, and I'm I agree thankful with your exists. criticisms. Yeah. No, yeah, but at this too. point, I also can't help but view everything I consume with like a classes sort of view. Yeah, like, yeah. Like it, even, it, comes, it comes up. <laughs> even like action movies, even like shit like superhero movies kind of bother me in the way that they low-key come off as propaganda more often than not yeah. the police <laughs> and the military. So We're uh, just like... Was it when we did uh, our review for uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League? Yeah. I was like, it really pissed me off that Bruce Wayne did not talk to a single one of those people oh, yeah. in that village. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like what a rich fucking asshole. Guys, very exciting news and a perfect time to transition <laughs> to it. I just got the Snyder Cut on VHS. What? Yes, on a VHS, VHS, a playable, functioning so it's copy. A, is, it, is it two? It tapes? is one tape. It is a six-hour. What tape. science is what? this? It is. It's a special six-hour tape. There holds six hours of content, but it's got the whole movie wow. in one go. So wow. If anybody wants to watch the Snyder Cut again, we can do it on in VHS. glorious VHS hi-fi resolution. So <laughs> I'm kind of tempted. Oh yeah, I I there's a this guy on Instagram that I follow who makes custom tapes. I feel like I'm not gonna I'm not I sh- I feel like I want to like promote him because right. he makes good stuff. But, but also, you also don't want to like uh... I also don't want him to like. I feel like the second he gets found out, he won't be able to do it anymore. Oh, but he's man. like uh he's got um. All of the first season of, uh, or the, the only season of WandaVision on one tape. Oh also, my god, I would like love that. a copy of yeah, that. Yeah, I can send you the the, the link to his page do. later. He, but he does all kinds of movies. He does a bunch of MCU stuff. He's done, I think, all like the John Wick movies. It's it's a lot of like, it's more like popular culture. Like, I hate you, to say it, but, but he I, would also, own, I would buy every single He MCU has a subscription box uh, for $20 a month where he just sends you whatever the newest tape is. Oh, so you just, you just continuously 
amass stuff that he makes, and he also takes uh, commissions and does oh custom works. If there's a movie that you want on VHS, he'll design oh, the box art and everything and ship that to you. So anyway, he, say, he did the I Snyder am... Cut release, and I was like, man... This thing is already such like a cultural oddity that it even exists. Like <laughs> I feel like owning this on VHS specifically, like it just it's just like this weird convergence of strange shit where I was like, done. Done deal. Give me that. Yeah. So I do feel uh, like the John Wick franchise needs to be viewed on VHS. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those oh, yeah, that'd be like so fun. in the wrong era. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Just throwing that out there. Uh, you can watch the Snyder Cut soon on uh, the way it was intended. <laughs> but uh, I think that's about does it in terms of movies that I imagine we've all seen as yeah. of late. Yeah, yeah there are at least new releases. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried to watch Army of the Dead, but I just have no motivation to make myself yeah, do one it. Of the re- when I, once I, fucking awful. One of the first reviews I read was just that the majority of the film is just the assembling of the crew. Which is most heist movies. Well, really. yeah, but I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things, like after that hmm. Rick and Morty episode... Yeah. You son of a bitch yeah. I'm in where they say it's like 60% like assembling the crew and 40% the heist is already done <laughs> yeah uh, I will say with Army of the Dead though um god do I like Tig Notaro in that movie oh yeah weirdly Tig Notaro the fact that she was like kind yes, of awkwardly I didn't know that it's... until after I saw wait, wait, it wait, and wait, then what? I had to rewatch okay. sequences so yeah. originally they cast a rapist uh, yeah Chris D'Elia the comedian uh, was going to be in this movie, but then it came out that he was like a sexual predator, so uh, they replaced him in it with uh, female comedian Tig Notaro. And they did it all like quarantine time, isolation, her on a green screen. They just like had her do her stuff, divorced from the rest of the cast, what? and then just slotted her in. And it's there's like a weirdness to her performance because she's not with everyone. But because the movie is bad and everyone else is bad, she's just really good, and I really <laughs> like her character. There's a very funny scene where they come to recruit her for the job, uh-huh. and they, uh, you know, Dave Bautista comes up to her, which uh, not actually coming up to her. He's acting opposite Chris D'Elia in the actual film, but uh, but the released version is Tignataro. He comes up and he's like, "Hey, you may want to check for your phone. We need a." Uh, we need a uh, helicopter pilot for a job that we're doing. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. And he's like, yeah, it's uh, we can give you, like, $2 million. And she's like, she's like, okay, I'm in. $2, two million, that's me. I get to keep that. I don't have to share it. I'm done. I'm fucking in. Of course, $2 million is life-changing for me. I'll do it. And they're like, okay. So the job is, she's like, I don't give a fuck. Whatever the job is, it's fine. She just walks away. She's like, yeah, $2 million. Hell yeah, let's do it. I'm good. And anyway, it's just, there's there's lots of very, she's, it's her, her delivery is just unbelievable, especially for somebody who was digitally put into it. But yeah, that movie's stupid and is bad and it sucks. So, yeah. God, and now Netflix is going to be doing, like, an animated film about, yeah. like, Norse gods. It's an IP. Schneider. And it's like, I think, I feel like we might have to cancel our Netflix if they're going to be bankrolling Snyder from here on out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't know if I can, uh, I can condone that. Like, it kind of grosses me it. out, like, thinking that my personal dollars are help going to help fund the Azak Snyder <laughs> production. Like, that, that I feel like, like it kind of makes me sick knowing that my tax dollars are going to help pay for Trump's secret service, like, even out of office. So it's like, do I... Already so much of my money's going to one evil. Do I need to, uh... <laughs> should I be willingly supporting this other evil? I don't know if I'd call it evil, just, uh... gross incompetence. <laughs> Let's see here. I watched Skull the Mask, 
on Shudder. It's pretty no, good. I need to get Shudder. I've really been thinking uh, about it. Uh, God, where is where was this made? I want to say Brazil. It's foreign, and it's fun. It's just a it's a slasher, okay. uh, and yeah. it's it's a, a modern slasher, and it's unique and interesting. Um, I watched the original Red Dawn out of curiosity, um, and it is one of the most disgusting propaganda films I've ever oh, seen yeah, in my entire sure. life. I didn't know anything about it really going in. I was like, oh, I'm curious to see how they tackle uh, Russia invading the U.S. in the 1980s. I wonder what, what how they handle that, and it's disgusting and awful, as you would imagine, so fuck that movie. <laughs> um, I saw A Quiet Place Part 2. That's new. How's that? I, Fucking I, awful. I cool, have a lot yeah. of issues with the first movie, but this second one yeah, is just disgusting. I didn't see. I didn't. I had no interest in seeing yeah. the second one because of my issues with the first one. Like, Despite the, the fact that everybody I meet like wants to fucking suck that movie off. But got, don't be wrong. It's not a bad movie. The first Quiet Place. It's just a very dumb movie. Yeah. yeah. Squanders uh, the premise and potential. Oh my god. Yeah. Zosma. <laughs> Sorry. We no, you're good. She's she's so sweet. I don't mind it. It's just like she does it, then suddenly the headphone cord is underneath yeah. her paw, and I'm like, oh god, oh god. Oh yeah, this dog will like severely injure you, but only out of kindness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's more of a threat to you if she likes you than if she doesn't like you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could fill an episode with A Quiet Place too, but I'm not going to do that unless you guys watch it and I don't really feel like getting it's just exhausting. It's uh it's it's everything <laughs> bad about the first movie metastasized right. like tenfold. It's awful. And More then, this time you just don't have John Krasinski. Yeah. Well, you do at the beginning. Yeah. Um more interesting than talking about A Quiet Place too. Uh, I watched Chaos Walking with Daisy Ridley. Oh, oh, man. man. I remember when I was reading the synopsis to it, and it's like, okay, okay, this all sounds kind of weird, but whatever, it's sci-fi. And then, like, I think, like, halfway through reading this, like, the lengthy premise to it all, it's like, it just casually drops. It's like, oh, by the way, all the men's thoughts are being, like, projected outside of their heads, but mm. not women. It's like, yeah. w- w- what? <laughs> what? Okay, you have officially added too many ingredients to this. <laughs> like, there are too many elements here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we watched it. It was in Redbox. We were like, we can rent this for a dollar, and, and it's probably going to be bad, but it seems like it'd be a fun, another, like, odd uh-huh. thing to watch. Like, how did they get the star of the Star Wars movies and the, the current Star Spider-Man. Wars and the Spider-Man. And, yeah, like, like, like those, are, those are, like, pretty big names, like, trying to... It's an oddity in that they were trying to make something successful with these successful actors, and then it just fell apart to the point that nobody wanted to watch it by the time it came out. So. Which, like... It's I did one of those it. premises that it's, like, this... This had to go through so many, like, levels here to be made, like, in terms of being pitched and yeah. funded and shot and, like, wrote and shot, and it's, like... And not a single person had the fucking nerve to, or gall or wisdom to say, hey, maybe this is a dumb idea. Like, <laughs> like maybe, there, yeah. maybe there is no feasible way that a movie with this type of plot could possibly make the money back that it would require to make. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying that, like, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley only choose good projects, but, like... How do you not hear the premise for all this and just go, uh, like, they must have had some blackmail on them or something (laughs) to, like, coax them in or, like, hey, if you don't do this movie, you signed a deal with us to produce X amount of films, if you don't do this movie, we're going to sue you, like. So here's the deal, though. It's not a bad movie. 
It's what? actually very competently made and it's fine. It's just extraordinarily nothing. Like take something, <laughs> just like take like like like. This is maybe a weird comparison. I'm just trying to think of like something else that feels very like YA whatever. It's like take like the Hunger Games, which is like a fine movie. Like they're, that first mm-hmm. movie is like the first two at least are like competently made. They're like they're they got good talent in them. Like they're whatever. Like when they have some like some spicy stuff. There's a little bit of violence, a little bit of exciting shit. You know, there, there's enough that it's memorable and that it mm-hmm. was popular and had a whole YA movement behind it for a while or whatever. It's like, just strip away anything that makes it exciting, and you have chaos walking. Like, it's not... It's competently made, it's well-acted, it's fine. There's no embarrassing, like, visuals. Like, all, like, the CGI and the whole, like, thoughts projected outside of your head thing works shockingly well. As I read about it, I found it very hard to believe it could look good. Exactly, that's the thing. Like, it's it's all silly, it's very sci-fi. You know, Mads Mikkelsen is wearing a, a a pimp coat and riding a horse around. <laughs> right. Like, like there's it's, a lot. There's like, if there's a lot of weird uh, shit going on. But you know what? It's, it's competent like, enough to make you think, huh? If this was built around a good idea, yeah, like you it, might like, have a good movie. Like, it's the most just like okay and fine thing ever. Like, right. I like I, I was stunned leaving the movie to find that it wasn't like an insufferable piece of trash. Yeah. I'd finished the movie and was like, huh? If I like, I I just have. I just feel like incredibly neutral on it. I so I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd and I liked it because I'm I guess like that's, uh, half credit for being fine. Right. But I guess that's more than I can say for like all these uh, HBO Max uh, day and date releases. Yeah. Which so far pretty... I, I've struggled to finish most of them. Yeah, they've been pretty underwhelming for the most part. Like I think Kong versus Godzilla and Judas and the Black Messiah is the most positive I've been about them. And even yeah. both of those I have issues with. Yeah. Um... I like the Snyder Cut the best <laughs> so far. Um, That's definitely yeah. It was like it's occurred to me. It's like holy shit. I think Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four has been one of the better movies to come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched a movie called Rawhead Rex from nineteen eighty six. Just a Another horror, horror slasher type okay. thing. Sounds More fun. of a monster movie. Oh, even it's, better. It's a. Uh, it's this weird thing where it's kind of infamous because it's like it it's so self-serious and has like really cool music and it's like very intense and the stakes feel so high mm-hmm. and it's like this big like like it's like a really like well-made whatever but um it has infamously like one of the weirdest and most terrible like man in rubber suit monster costumes in it ever (laughs) and i just find it so delightful like it's so silly but i love the costume i fucking love rock i I, I would still take bad practical effects over uh okay like adequate cgi any day i agree rawhead rex is a perfect just like it's on shutter so if you ever get shutter i'm just gonna go ahead and google this just so i can see the monster it's a it's yeah you need to (laughs) you need to see that costume it sounds like it's gonna it's be the a, big selling point here. Yeah, uh, it's one where it's like you just, it's it's so good to like for scratching that like eighties like horror itch of just like something like that is like pretty good but is also so silly and, oh, that's, and that's just a, that's it's, a great ridiculous monster right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, his big fucking just maw. Uh, I'm maw looking up that's... Shutter out on the Play Store because I think I gotta get this. Here stuff. we go. <laughs> oh my god! He just has like just oh the right, god. just the right hint of like Power Rangers in there. Yes, oh my god. yes. It's it's <laughs> Rawhead Rex is kind of terrific. That's I'd only say something that could come out you, of the eighties. Yep, yep. I'd say uh, if you guys ever get Shutter, sit down, smoke a little bit, kick back, and just put on Rawhead Rex and see where it takes you. I would like I mean, we need to put on a movie to smoke <laughs> a little bit. 
And then, uh, and then the last thing I'll talk about, and then I'm done with everything, is I watched something called Caveat, which is a pretty new horror film, also on Shudder, um, came out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an Australian movie. Um, a lot of, like, positive reviews, a lot of, like, hype behind it as far as, like, hey, here's, like, a surprisingly good horror movie. I didn't really feel that way. I thought it was pretty <laughs> fine. There's a really cool, um... This is such, like I've watched so well, much. That is horror. the caveat, you know. Yeah, it got all I, these <laughs> all this great hype and reviews, but it's actually just an okay movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've I've spent so much time watching horror of the past year, especially. Oh my god. Um, that I'm like I'm just I'm beyond like mostly beyond like being like freaked out or scared by right. things or whatever. I'm just kind of like looking at like oh I bet that scares the shit out of somebody. That's a really cool idea. So in this movie, there's like this old like raggedy like rabbit doll that has like a little drum that makes this creepy sound mm-hmm. and the idea is that the house is like haunted or infected by some like horrible presence and so um the the characters discover that um through, through whatever reasoning i barely remember but basically you carry the rabbit around and you can point it around and it starts to drum ever so slightly whenever it's facing the direction of like the demon or whatever so there's this a lot starting of starting like, to sound a little familiar there's a lot of like very interesting creepy sequences of hmm. people like what like the opening of the movie is just a girl walking through the house with the thing and then it's just and she's like okay Whoa. yes yes i've seen like i guess reviews for this movie because yeah. i i recognize the images of the rabbit the rabbit is the only good thing in the movie that's what I'm building to. Is oh. it's such a it's such okay. a neat little yes. it's such a neat little toy yeah, this thing. deal yeah, thing. No, I, yeah. It's such a cool little prop. I, I think it's fantastic, but the movie that it feels like they had that first the and prop. then said let's write a movie about it and it didn't really go anywhere, so seems seems likely. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I've been, that's what I've been watching. Those are things that I've seen. I think I've watched some some TV. I watched the first episode of Ted Lasso last night. Ah, um, nice. Which is very funny. Um, it gets better. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that it's really good. So I'm excited to watch more of that. There's something else we've been watching, but I can't think of it at the moment. So let's see. Uh, for the sake of Pride Month, uh, about a week or two ago, we watched this uh, interesting Japanese uh, film called Funeral Parade of Roses. Yeah, Funeral Parade of Roses. I've heard of that. And it's, it's interesting just because it's about, like, a uh, transgender woman, like, played by a transgender, like, actor. Sure. And it, and the movie's made in ni- 1969 Japan, which, uh, for those that don't know, like, Jap- despite the sort of, like, uh, pre- the preconceived notions of, like, Japan and sexuality, like, they're still a little backwards in terms of uh, homosexuality and all that. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that's actually a pretty so, big... So, I don't know, it's like, the movie itself is just okay. Yeah. I think the value is more because it's like kind of an interesting artifact of like that sort of the uh, LGBT community in Japan in that time. Like, uh, part of the interesting... Can you not do this? Part of the interesting, like, formatting of the film is that it takes a sort of multimedia approach wherein, like... The film is sort of intercut with, like, interviews, like... With the actual actresses of the film. Or just, like, other random, like, uh, gay people in Japan and all that, just, like, interviewing them about their lifestyle and, like, you know, how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just just interesting, is all I can really say. Yeah, there's really... The narrative to it is incredibly simple. It's just she... This, uh... This, uh, was... It's interesting because despite being Japanese, like, the... 
the name of the transgender like performer is Peter, mm-hmm. like an Amer- the American word yeah, name yeah. Peter, and then like the character's name in the film is Eddie. Gotcha. So still an American guy's yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. But huh. uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's like so this person is like uh, works at this hostess sort of club and all that, sure. entertaining like <clears throat> Japanese businessmen and all that. And, like, she's basically just kind of competing to be, like, the top hostess and all that, where the... She's, like, having this affair with, like, this guy who's, who like... Owns the, uh, who owns the place, who is, like, in a relationship with another, like, uh, trans uh, woman who, who is, pretty like, much the head mistress of gotcha. this place. So gotcha. she's the, you know, top dog. Yeah. His bottom bitch. And, yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much all there is, too. It's just, like, yeah. this sort of love triangle, and it's Japanese, so it just gets very dark. And, oh, I I'm guess, sure, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of poetic at the end. <laughs> Some sequences go on longer than they really should. Like, mm-hmm. I guess an interesting scene in the film to me in terms of, like, the, the structure of it is, like, there's this one scene where, uh, or a sequence where, like, you see her going home with this guy after at the hostess club, and then, it, like, it shows them, like, close-ups of, like, them having sex and all that. And then, like, it goes on for a little too long, and it's like, okay, this is... We were watching it on the projector, too, so it's like, this is a little bit awkward. Yeah, but yeah. But then, like, it goes, they go, like, all right, cut, and then it, like, cuts to, like, the camera crew, like, all surrounding them on the bed, and it's like, okay, like, it's like them wrapping up shooting this scene, mm. and uh, she's, like, talking to him and all that, and it's like... Okay, honestly, I feel like that's, like, the least awkward way you yeah. could end this entire sex yeah. scene. Yeah, so. for real. And it's not, you know, and I also would like to state, not just to, you know, defend ourselves, when we say some sequences go on too long, it isn't from any sort of transphobic, homophobic stance. It's just, I'm starting to realize with art films, is they're so guilty of just lingering too long so many times. I think Trey's still shots, a little uh, like, bitter about Satan Tango. <laughs> I, a little bit. Don't be wrong. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's a good movie. But the movie would not be seven and a half hours if the filmmaker, like, understood that his viewers aren't as stupid as he thinks they are and they can pick up what he's trying to lay down with those shots. On a similar note, I watched a really good movie... Uh, over the span of uh, a week or so, uh, recently. It's this Argentine movie called uh, La Flor, which okay. uh, was shot over the course of nearly 10 years across like multiple countries and continents, filmed in, like I think it's like around like a total of eight languages, and has a total runtime of about 13 and a half hours. Gotcha. But uh, what's interesting about the movie is that uh, it's divided up into six separate episodes, but each episode plays with structure. Like, for instance, the first four episodes, uh, they have a beginning and a, and a middle, but they all lack endings. Gotcha. The fifth episode has a beginning, middle, and an end, but it kind of like, I don't know, kind of like closes in on itself. And then the final part, the final episode, is only an ending. Like, you don't see the beginning or even the middle. Gotcha. And each one plays with a different genre. Like, so episode one, it's like a uh, sort of done in the vein of like kind of old B movies, like B horror movies sure. regarding like a mummy's curse. The second episode is about uh, these two music performers who are like, who are in a uh, toxic relationship and they've gone their separate ways, but like they seem to be struggling to make like, to record this one particular song that's like a duet. <laughs> like separate so mm-hmm. it's like they have they're trying basically coming back to try and record the song meanwhile there's this secret cabal of rich people that are like plotting to like 
create a formula that will give them everlasting life. <laughs> huh. uh, and then the third episode, which to me is when things start like really started picking up for me. It's a God. It's like a five to six hour spy film, <laughs> wherein like you have like about an hour or two of like the setup of like these four. I, I you know I should backtrack here. All of the episodes except for one, all have the. Uh, Okay, sorry, distracted by the dogs. <laughs> All the episodes, except for the fifth one, have the same four actresses playing different characters and different okay. roles, but it's always that's the only consistency. Like, none gotcha. of the other actors are the same. It's just the same four actresses. Sure. And so, uh, the spy film, it establishes these uh, female spies that have been sent out on this mission that they were clearly not supposed to succeed in. But, uh, so, like, once they've kind of figured out that they have been you know, betrayed. Mm -hmm. And that goes on for like an hour and a half or two hours. So then after that, it goes into these very like lengthy, almost film length, like backstories into all four of the women, mm -hmm. each one like telling such a tonally different story. Like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't even really want to get into it. Cause yeah, it's just yeah. so fucking dense, this movie, but like, I'm not even that big on spy movies, but like, yeah. it's such a good fucking like film within this film. Yeah. All of this sounds really cool. What's it called again? Uh, the floor. Watch list. It's called, which means the flower. And hold on, I'll uh, explain why in a second. But uh, let's see. The fourth episode is when things start to kind of make a little bit more sense because it becomes a uh, sort of like a metafictional story about a filmmaker who has been subjecting his four actresses to like this sort of torturous, like self-indulgent project for so many years that they end yeah. up rebelling against him. And, like, both this and the, the spy one, much like with the spy one, it becomes this sort of, like, uh, one way I've described it as, like, a Russian nesting doll of a film, wherein, yeah. like, you start having all these weird stories within the story. Like, uh, the, the, the fourth one, the meta-narrative, becomes, like, this weird sort of mystery halfway through about, like, this guy who you don't know, like, investigating, like, the circumstances of this film where the director and the crew huh. have just, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. so fucking weird. And like, bec because it's clear the fourth episode is clearly based on the actual filmmaker of the mm -hmm. film, it's like you start to get an understanding of where he's coming from and also how his, under his mindset in terms of making the whole project has changed throughout. And the way the, like the, and since that's the fourth episode, the way that the remainder of the film, like the remainder of the fourth episode and five and six play out relates to that sort of like revelation the filmmaker has right, throughout right. the fourth. Huh. Where and did you watch this? I'm is the question. Yeah, that's the unfortunate <laughs> part. <laughs> that that kind of like renders the entire me talking about it moot. Is uh it was on the Criterion channel. Okay. But I I what what caught my interest is that it was going to be expiring at the mm. end of uh, May. Fuck. Yeah, and then it's like, well, you know, if I w I'll watch it, and if I like it, then I'll buy it. Unfortunately, it's not available for purchase in America. God gotcha. Damn. I was about to really? ask, is it is you, it part of is it in the Criterion collection? Could unfortunately, I go pick this not. Up? Of course. Not. And in fact, like you can on Amazon. Like the only way you can like digitally rent it is on Amazon, and even then, it's only part one. So <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, so, all right, all right. I'm gonna throw this up. Is there a VHS copy? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to do. We're, I'm going to hit up to... that guy on Instagram and be like, mm -hmm. I need a custom tape set. This tape, though, it's got to be able to hold. <laughs> yeah. 
nearly fourteen hours of. Uh, you can send this. You can send us a box set. You can yeah, get, what if, if you get together a bunch I of I have like a fourteen set uh, Alfred Hitchcock box set. Yeah, of VHS yeah. tapes of the Laugh of the Cubs, which is one of those things. Exactly, exactly. We could oh. we could make that happen. It's also worth mentioning that the actual credits of the movie is forty five minutes long. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. Credits get their own tape. Yep, but um. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to try and buy, like, a uh, f- import a Blu-ray copy, because uh, the kind I've been seeing online, it looks like I can get it as region... I think it's, like, region zero or some shit like that. Either way, it's Is basically... That so that, three, or? It, 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 it's basically, like, encompasses all the regions, so it should mm. be able to play on cool, a cool. Uh, on one of our uh, Blu-ray players. Uh, we haven't had to think about regions for <laughs> oh, I know. in a it's long so time. Long. I bought a few uh, South Korean Blu-rays before, just because, like, like the South Korean edition of a movie. Like, I have, like, the South Korean is it that collector is it a set of a ghost story. Oh, that's yeah, such because, a beautiful fucking case. Yeah, I do not blame you. Because, because I was like, I really want this, but also it'll play fine on my Blu-ray yeah. player, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. though this does nothing for our listeners uh the reason it's called the flower is because the all the stories can be like uh diagrammed together as a flower like mm, shape so that's cool. yeah you have the four ones that don't have an ending yeah you have the middle one that kind of circles in on itself and then you have the final one that only has an ending gotcha gotcha man i wish, really wish you would uh watch this movie with me <laughs> oh i had to like I really had to, like, break this shit up, like, between watching it at home, like, watching it at work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, to its credit, as a nearly 14-hour movie, there wasn't really a whole lot of moments where I'm like, oh my god, this is dragging, like, just mm-hmm. fucking cut this shot, like, it's taking too long, or this whole story is taking too long, like, I don't know, what. Uh, it sounds like they have enough to keep it, yeah, like, the to keep it going. going, like... And, uh, like, the way, as an experiment, like, in terms of story structure, like, I don't know, it kind of makes you reassess, like the value of stories and like or rather where you derive the value from because again like four of the six stories don't even have an ending so it's like you know how important (laughs) is the destination you know yeah exactly but uh yeah just just really interesting shit if you if you import a blu-ray of that let me know we can uh start having some watch parties and work our way through it i'd I'd be down for that that'd be awesome sounds like a good time to me Anybody so, else? Anything else you've seen? Are we going to talk so about? So should I whip my big old list out? Sure. I got a bunch of stuff I've watched since we last sure. so I'm not going to get into all of it. I'll just give you a quick, uh, quick little list. Uh, I watched a couple slashers. Watched the stepfather oh. and the original Candyman. Ooh, I saw the original Candyman kind of recently for the first time. Hey. It was good. Hey. Like, hey. to be honest with you, on, just kind of calling it a slasher, I feel like doesn't do it justice, just because like it is like. A lot more working for it than just like a Candyman is middle. terrific. No, I it is. Really, like, really liked that movie. But what are you uh, doing? Come, sorry, got a dog here. He just cannot. Yeah, I don't even down. know what she's doing right now. Yeah, she never really does do that. <laughs> she's just kind of flopping around between your legs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Stepfather, pretty good. The the original uh, 1987 one about mm-hmm. a guy who uh, you know marries into a family and. Stays around until, you know, they start doing shit that doesn't meet his idealized vision of a family. Like, he really fetishizes, like, the Hallmark idea yeah. of, like, a nuclear family. And when they don't live up to his standards, he murders them, changes his identity, and moves on to the next family. Hey, like, fair uh, enough, as one does. He usually sets it up before he murders the family, so that way he can just slide into the next one. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah. it's interesting. Like, the movie's... The movie's, uh, you know, has its flaws, but just the actor, lead actor there, really carries it. Like, he plays the character in this sort of, like, very 
meticulous, conservative sort of way. The movie is sort of a deconstruction of uh, Reagan-era values. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, this guy is a walking uh, monstrosity of it come to life. Uh, it's good. Uh, all the actors, actresses are fun. It's very, you know, even though there's only a couple actual, you know, you only actually see maybe... I think just one kill in the movie, honestly. Like, I mean, you walk, you, you, you get the implication he's murdered tons of people, but you as the viewer, you only witness him murder just one dude. Yeah. But the movie's very suspenseful, the nice murder mystery. Uh, God, what's the lead actress in it? Uh, Jill Sholin? She's a... Uh, I believe uh, she's great, very uncomfortable because, like, when she was in the movie, she's definitely legal, but she's playing a 16 year old, and there's a scene that just full nuded, like, shower scene that's just yeah. fully nude, and it's just like she might have been the woes legal, of slasher movies where just doesn't feel right. You're wanting yeah. us to sexualize a minor. The filmmaker is trying to be like, hell yeah, titties, right? And you're like, yeah, even if she's 20 or whatever, you're still showing me a 16 or 15 year old It's like, I, I as the audience, like, I'm supposed to see her as yeah. a minor. So. Yeah, exactly. So I, I cannot also see her as like, oh, hell yeah, finally some titties. Like, no. But, a good time, a good, uh, good uh, horror movie. Not, I've not seen the sequel. Somehow there's a sequel. I don't understand how that happens with the same actor. But anyway, uh, we we watched Chicago with our roommate, mm -hmm. uh, the Oscar-winning 2002 film yes. for Best Picture. Yes, it was okay. I thought I liked the, uh, John C. Riley song. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought I thought he was good. I thought it was a weird movie. Honestly, have you seen Chicago? Mm -mm. It is, it's about, like, this woman who is jailed after murdering a guy she was having an affair with because he made empty promises to make her a famous, you know, performer yeah. at this uh, burlesque, uh, oh, it's yeah. just cabaret place yeah. that, uh, anyway, she's in prison and, uh, she's, her attorney, played by Richard Gere, is helping her, uh, you know, come up with her defense because like she's spin the story to where right. she gets everyone's like uh, you know almost sympathy. Like she's somehow the victim in this, but he's apparently defending another woman who Catherine Zeta Jones, who's also a like burlesque or cabaret performer who also gets arrested for murdering a man like on the same night as uh, Renee, Renee Zellweger, the huh. star. So uh, yeah, so they're both competing for their attorney's attention to and like uh, winning the public's like favor and sympathy and all that and it's just like what is going on here like is I don't, like what is this a commentary on like is, was there like a trend in the 1930s of just like just public craze for like men killing women like <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't get what they were trying to say and you know there were some good musical numbers but i really don't know how this one best picture in 2002 like i don't remember what all was nominated but i have a hard time believing there wasn't a better movie than this made there was a, they did a, I think a Spider-Man and a Lord of the Rings. Come on. <laughs> you know, I'm well, pretty sure that was... was nominated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I watched uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Mr. and Mrs. Smith, an interesting, quirky little comedy about a woman who, uh, played by uh, Carol Lombard, uh, 
who realizes her husband doesn't appreciate her, and when she realized, the two of them realize that their marriage wasn't technically legal, uh, legally valid, she leaves him, and now he's in the uh, position to try and win her back. Nobody's oh. a spy, by the way. Yeah, no one's a spy. <laughs> I was, say, I was, was waiting for And they're spies. You see, <laughs> tasked saw, with killing each other, but also there was they're a, married. When there, I saw there was a Mr. and Mrs. Smith by Hitchcock, who, you know, he's made tons of, you know, a he's couple espionage films. Like, I thought, oh, so this must be where it was inspired. Nope. But nope. still, fun rump. I enjoyed it. Uh, pretty, you know. But now, my question is, what's the Donald Glover Phoebe Waller Bridge remake going to be based on? You know what? That's a very interesting uh, point there. No, it's not. <laughs> but uh, let's see. I watched the forty-year-old version, a uh, Netflix movie about a uh, African American playwright who becomes a uh, hip hop artist of yeah. age four. It's really good. Mm. Holy crap! It is really fucking good. Huh. Like. I honestly, I, I I feel like the premise alone should just pull you in. Mm. Like a playwright in her forties turned hip hop, like going into <laughs> hip hop. Like, it, I, I enjoy it. Like it is so good, and it's fucking written and directed by the star of the film, uh, Rada Blank. Oh, wow. like uh, she does a fantastic job acting. It has almost sort of this like. Kind of like documentary vibe at parts where some of the characters in the film are interviewed about where she's heading in her life. Mm. That adds like, I don't know, kind of this cool like almost Spike Lee like feel to it. Uh, her like, her lyrics in it are pretty good actually. Like I think yeah. the songs are pretty clever and I don't know, I can't, I have no way of like being able to relate because I'm not a 40 year old black woman. But yeah. like the way she breaks it down in her music is just mm -hmm. like great. It's awesome, hilarious. Like uh, and I also like too that the way it criticizes much kind of similar to Bamboozle, just sort of the way that like her as a playwright, the only types of plays that seems like that you know, people want to produce, you know, white investors are essentially what she calls, uh, like, poor porn, like, to mm -hmm. an extent, like, uh, you know, seeing disadvantaged communities struggling and everything, and a way it kind of comments that, though, you know, typically when, like, white directors or producers want to tell these stories of marginalized people that they themselves are not a part of, Though they try to tell the boy, you know, stories of the exploitive, they tend to kind of exploit their subjects right. at the same time. Like it's it's a great movie. It's one of those instances where it's funny because I feel like a movie of Army of the Dead or The Irishman are good examples of when you give creatives way too mm. much creativity <laughs> on Netflix. But I think the forty year old version is the best case scenario when you give creative like gotcha. all the creative yeah. freedom they need to make their movie. I highly, re I can't recommend for your version enough. Uh, watch Chinatown, uh, the classic That's Chinatown, uh, the uh, classic Roman Polanski movie from yeah. uh, nineteen seventy four. Pretty good. I've heard good things about it. Pretty I want to see it at some point. It's a great mystery. Uh, Jack Nicholson is fantastic. Kind of like his uh, style in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, also noticed you watched the Maltese Falcon. Oh, that's uh, yeah, I, did for, I forgot to talk about that. The uh, yeah, we watched that the other night. The too. director of that's actually in the movie is the uh, one of the villains. Oh, really? Who directed it? John Huston? Uh, no, uh, Roman Polanski. Oh, Maltese I, Falcon. Yeah, I meant Maltese Falcon. Oh, sorry, yeah, John Huston. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, so I just thought it was cool to have you know the director mm -hmm. of one of the greatest detective films yeah. of all time. Uh, I guess it's not surprising it, so. since John Huston is the father of Angelica Huston. That's right. Who's married to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I didn't know that. But uh, Chinatown's really interesting. Like uh, it's a dark movie, like a very dark movie. 
uh, a mystery that, you know, you really cannot, or at least I didn't, but I'm one of the few idiots who, uh, you know, wasn't expecting the, uh, twist at the end of Us, so, uh, or, wait, was what was that Jordan Peele horror movie? Us. Uh, Us, okay. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, no, it's a good mystery, and uh, I really like the theme of the movie, or rather how it's tied into the title of the film, because though it's called Chinatown, only the ending takes place in Chinatown. Yeah. And I'll just, without spoiling anything, the reason for that is based on an interview that uh, the writer of the film had with a cop, Mm -hmm. talking about how, in his experience in Chinatown, him as a cop, he didn't do anything because of the breakdown of language and cultures. A lot of time, like, they were ill-equipped to actually help yeah. people. In fact, you couldn't tell if you were actually helping the victim or the victimizer more often than not, mm. so it didn't feel like you were actually doing anything. And gotcha. That really plays to the theme of the film very well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I do want to watch that. I've heard, I've heard very good things. So yeah, that's my list outside of that. I know this is incredibly fucking nerdy. I've been re-watching the MCU on a week-by-week basis so I can time it up. I've been doing it chronologically, uh, yeah. following a chronological timeline, so I can line it up for when Black Widow released, so where yeah. it, I don't know if it actually fits in where I'm assuming it is, but mm-hmm. I'm just kind of timing it out this gotcha. way, and uh, yeah. I'm I gotta about... say, and it's the guy who lives with him, it's been pretty brutal, because he's been in like the Thor 3, or mm-hmm. yeah, the Thor 2s, the Iron Man 3s, and the Age of Ultrons. Oh yeah, but I will say this though, the, uh, and re-watching it, it's made me... It's made me, like, appreciate some of them that I, you know, was just kind of eh on in some mm-hmm. ways. And for ones I just absolutely hate and they affirm I hate, I'm kind of noticing ways that these could have been fixed while I'm watching it. Like, oh, yeah. man, if only they had done this and this and this. Like, but yeah, no, I'm doing that right now. I'm about 13 movies in, so 13 weeks in. So. <laughs> wow. Hey, that's that's impressive. I've I've thought about that before, but... I, could, I couldn't, I, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever successfully do a, do an MCU rewatch. I just, the, the lows are too low. Oh, I don't man. know, I don't know if the highs are high enough. So I'll just watch the ones <laughs> I really like if I ever get the urge to, but. Um, I'm thinking of doing the same thing next year with James Bond. Just because mm, uh, yeah. I've only seen like the first seven or eight of them. But yeah. figure do it once a week, knock out the entire uh, franchise. Those are just so much more formulaic though, which I've only I know seen funny. the Daniel Craig movies. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, that's a lot. Anything else? Nope. That's Plugs, it. thoughts, I'm considerations, good. ideas. I need to uh, start uh, thinking about dinner. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm writing again, so oh, uh, very nice. I'm actually very close to actually finishing the actual story of it, and then will come the uh, scripting phase. So, Terrific! Uh, Congrats. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still draw, but I, I don't post anything. <laughs> Uh, almost done with bird metal. Oh, nice! nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's Very gonna nice. be an intro song, and then four songs, and then it'll be done. But I'm like, I'm like eerily close to finishing it, so I'm very excited about that. So, stay tuned. Um, I feel like I had something else to say, but I don't. I haven't been home in over 12 hours, and I'm tired, so I'm going to (laughs) leave. Fair enough. Bye! Bye -bye. Bye-bye.